Welcome to another inspiring podcast from C3 New Hope. For more information about our church and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. So today we're kicking off a brand new series and it's called Foundations. Foundations. We want to kick off the year uh, building our life in the right direction, right? We want, to, we want to make sure that there are certain things that, have, that are in place in our life. And it's always really healthy and really good to come and revisit those places of foundations in our life. What are the foundational things in our life that are going to sustain us and hold us up and keep us strong even when we feel weak? And so, so over the next two, three weeks, this week and two others, we're going to look at foundations. So we're going to look at worship, we're going to look at the Word and we're going to look at prayer. After that, we're going to go into looking at spiritual formation and what that means and talk about rhythms and, 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 and how to build that relationship with God because it's all great to have head knowledge, but if it's not applied, if we don't understand how to relate to God, then, then we're going to have issues in our formation and how we grow as a Christian. So we want to look at those as well. So, so today we're going to look at that, that foundation, the beginning of this foundation series, which is worship. But I want to start off in a, in a, in a verse in Matthew uh, chapter 7, verse 24. And it says this, it says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, this is Jesus speaking, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against it and the house, it fell with a great crash. And when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. He taught as one who knew what he was talking about. Let me show you why foundations are important. Can you put that picture up, Lou? This is why foundations are important. Who knows what that is? The Leaning Tower of Pisa, right? Do you realise that it was actually never meant to be called the Leaning Tower? That part of its name was actually never meant to be there. The leaning part was never meant to be part of its name. But after they started to build it, I think they built three levels and started to realise that the foundations were settling wrong and that part of the ground under the building was actually built on soft ground. So part of it sat on rock, part of it sat on soft ground. And what happened is they started to build it, which they didn't realise at the beginning, it was in the 1100s, that, that, that it started to lean because its foundations were not on the rock. And so this is why foundations matter, because without foundations, you know how much work they've had to put into the foundations of this building to keep it standing? They've had to dig down and they've had to try and support the weight on what, to, to try, and, try and make sure that the building doesn't fall over completely. Builders understand that foundations are the most important part of any building. Because if you don't get the foundations right, then you don't get the building right. doesn't matter how great the building looks. If the foundations are not set right, 
It will not, it will not last the test of times. Things will move and shift and things will break and there will be cracks come. In, who's, who's ever lived in a house where there's been cracks come in the walls? Right? I, I know Phil has. And part of the reason why walls crack in a house is because the foundations move. Right, because they're not being established properly, and so they start to move. and And the thing is, in our life as a Christian, the re, you know we, the reasons we start to get cracks in our in our life, and things start to not might start to go pear shaped sometimes. Not all the time, but a lot of the time is because sometimes our foundations have not been revisited, and we haven't checked upon those foundations to make sure that they're secure and strong and build on the rock, so that when the wind comes, when the storm comes in life, we're able to withstand the storm. This verse says that a wise man builds his house on the rock. And the reason he builds his house on the rock, because any wise man understands, anybody understands that when a storm comes, the house needs to be strong. So a wise Christian will build their house on solid foundations. A wise Christian will build their life on solid foundations because if we don't, we end up like this. We end up having to put a lot of time in later to try and keep ourselves buoyant and straight because we, f- we didn't put the effort in to start with to build solid foundations that reach down to the rock. So when they build a building, they excavate, drill down. You know, you used to look at those big skyscrapers. They drill down until they hit bedrock. They hit the rock. Then they lay the concrete for the foundation because they need solid, firm foundations to be able to stand tall and proud in the, within, within its context. And so the reality of all that is, is that the rock that we're building upon is Christ. He is the chief cornerstone. He is every, you know, they used to use a cornerstone to establish a building. And, and, and that stone, everything was built from that stone. That one stone was perfect. It was true. It was cut to perfection. And everything was built from that one stone. It was the foundational stone of a building. And now the Bible refers to Jesus as being that foundational stone of our life that he is the cornerstone, everything that gets built. He is the foundational stone of our life that is built. He's the rock that we build on. And if we build off him, everything becomes true, becomes established right and becomes strong because he's absolute correct. He's absolute right. He's absolute, he's cut to perfection by God. And he's been given to us so that we can build our life upon him because he's the rock that will stand the test of time. Instability happens is when we don't take the time to dig down to find Christ. We're building our life on other things. It's foundations, well, on the rock. Foundations matter. Foundations matter. As we see in this photo, foundations are important. Foundations keep us standing when life comes against us. Our foundations keep us standing proud in God's company because we are able to stand because of what Christ has done in our life. But we have to go to work to build on those foundations properly. 
So we're going to talk about worship today. And I'm not going to talk very long. But worship is, I love worship. I love worship. I love that element of worship. What we did here earlier is one expression of what worship truly is. It's just but one part of such a bigger picture of what worship actually is and how it unfolds in our life. We, we are, you know, um, every one of us worships something. Every, every single one of us worships something. You know, that was, I was reading this week and it's estimated that there's 18,000, there's been 18,000 um, things uh, that have been worshipped by man, approximately where you'd be uh, animals, goddesses, deities, gods, whatever you want to call it, the planet, the earth, the trees, the dolphins, whatever it may be, they, they, they estimate there's been something around the, the ballpark of 18,000 different things that people have worshipped and, and are worshipping on the planet at any one time. And, and you know, it, it's crazy because the reality is that God gave us that sense and that desire to worship. In Ecclesiastes, he tells us, the Bible tells us that God had put eternity in the heart of man, that there was a deep-seated desire inside of every man being given to each and every one of us to worship in our life. There's a deep desire, deep need that cannot be answered. It cannot be, uh, it cannot be uh, quenched. It cannot be, uh, con- you know, uh, uh, slowed because God has put it within us to worship something. So people have a desire to worship even when they don't know that the, the one person they need to worship is Jesus. They still want to worship. So there's this, uh, this uh, religion called earth religion. Have you ever heard of earth religion? You have? So they worship the planet. They worship uh, all sorts of different things. But, but they worship this, this religion that worships, you know, creation basically, uh, amongst other things as well. But, but, but you know, and, and, and there's been a lot of talk at the moment about, about creation and the world and the trees and the planet and environment, and it's all important. It's all important. And we, yes, we should look after our environment. And yes, we should look after the planet and we should look after the trees. But here's the thing. The one thing we shouldn't be doing is worshipping it. The Bible tells us to subdue it not to worship it, to rule over it, not to come under it. We're called to rule over the planet. We're called to subdue the planet. We're called to, 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 ta- to be caretakers of the planet. Adam and Eve were put in, Adam was put in the garden to be a caretaker of the garden. He didn't worship the garden. He worshiped the God of the garden who created the garden but he did not worship the trees. He did not worship the animals. He did not worship those things. There is a massive push at the moment. Trying to push us into worshipping creation. Trying to push us into worshipping something that has no soul. Something that has has something we're meant to be in control of. And has the planet been abused? Yes, it has. Has the environment been abused? Of course it has. We can see that. But that's because people have done their own will. But here we are called 
to rule over something that people are worshipping. But there are many, many different things that people worship. Probably the greatest thing that is worshipped on this planet is self. People, people worshipping themselves. How do I know that? You only have to look at TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, Be Real. That's a new one, right? That Zeke was telling me about. That's where you have to go on and be real. Because all the other ones, you're fake. And it's true. All you get is people's highlight reel, right? Even on Be Real, all you're getting is people's highlight reel. Understand that. Okay, it's not, the people still will not tell the truth. But, but it's the worship of self. The word selfie became a thing. Why? Because it once never existed. But then somebody thought, what if I turn my phone around and take a photo of myself and then I'll... It's worship of self. Now... Yeah, of course there could be tongue-in-cheek and it can be fun and all that kind of stuff, but when it becomes something that we worship, when we elevate ourselves above God, when we elevate ourselves above the things of, 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 of Christ and, and what he, who He is and who He stands for and what he, is being, you know, what he is doing on the earth, then we have to start to question who we're worshipping. Because every one of us is worshipping something. But maybe not every one of us is worshipping the one thing that makes all the difference. Worship is more than a 20-minute session in a church service once a week. If you think that's worship, of course it is worship. If you think that's the sum total of worship, you're missing the point. That's an expression of worship. Just like going and reading your Bible, it's an expression of worship. Prayer is an expression of worshipping God. Your, everything we live for is an expression of worshipping God. If we, if we serve Him, serving God is an expression of worshipping God. Sitting in God's presence in silence and solitude is, a, is, is an expression of worshipping. It's so much bigger than just one moment in one element. And, 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 and in itself, that moment is beautiful. That moment is amazing. But God's so much bigger and worship's so much bigger than that. Worship is not an event. It's not a moment. It's a lifestyle. It's how I live my life. It's how I interact with the person next to me, my neighbours and the people around me. It's how I live my life. It's how I, I talk. It's how I walk. It's how I, the actions that come out, my behaviours, everything revolves around whether I worship God or not. It's who I am more than what I do. I am a worshipper, first and foremost, of the great highest God of all creation. I worship Christ as much as I follow him. I've been called to be worshippers of God. And worship is one pillar, one pillar that needs to sit on a foundation in our life to stop and remember what is most important. Because the world wants to rob you of it. The world wants to take it away. The world wants to tell you that, that if it's not visible, it's not worthy. If, if you can't touch it, it has no substance. And, 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 and But God is the very opposite to all those things. Because why? Because we cannot see him physically. And sometimes we can't feel him physically. 
But yet here he is because my faith says that my God is real. And I've had encounters with God that have proven to me that he is real. And people cannot argue with what I've experienced because what God has done in my life is worthy to be praised, is worthy to be worshipped because God is worthy to be worshipped in my world. He is so worthy. And I don't always need physical, tangible evidence to be able to be that worshipper. I don't need God to perform for me, for me to be able to worship Him. Why? Because I made a decision and a commitment to Him many, many, many years ago that I would follow Him and I would serve Him. And if I never felt Him again in my life, which thank God I feel Him all the time, but if I never did feel Him again in my life, I would yet still worship Him. If He never did another thing for me, I would still worship Him. Why? Because, because I know where I have been. I know where God has taken me from. I know what it's like to be void of the presence of God. I know what it's like not to have God in my life. Now that I have Him, there's no other way. I must worship Him. I must lay down my life. I must realise that worship is an act of sacrifice in my world. You know, in... In uh, Romans, Romans, Romans 12, Romans 12, 1, Paul, Paul writes these words. He says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. I love how he ties sacrifice and worship together. That, that to worship God will be an element, there will be an element of sacrifice to worship our God. What's that mean? I mean, sometimes it can mean very simple things. Like, you know what? I need to turn off the television. I need to put down the phone. I need to get off the social media. I need to, need to not go out all the time and I need to actually stop and, 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 and allow some space so that I can connect with my God. Because the world is always going to put things in our hands that's trying to pull us away all the time. I wonder the extent of damage and the extent of influence media has on our lives. Simple things like a television. Innocent, really, to watch, but yet manipulated and controlled to, con to attain a result in people's lives. Every single advert you see on television has got scientific evidence behind doing it the way they've done it because they know that it manipulates a person into wanting to buy something they do not have, right? The, the whole expression of that FOMO, fear of missing out. All of media is designed to make you feel like you need what you don't have, and if you don't have it, you're missing out, and you're less than not to have it. I wonder the damage it's done over the centuries, over all that, the decades, not probably the centuries, I don't think television's been around that long, has it? But over the decades, how much damage it has done to mankind to condition us to feel like we need to fill our life with things. We need to fill our time with busyness, to feel like we have self-worth, to feel like we're accomplishing something. But yet, 
when you come into the Word, you start to realise that less is more. That when I let go, then I get more of God. That, that what really matters turns up in my life. I wonder if we did a, a soul detox of this stuff and we set a time aside just to worship God. Whether it be in music, whether it be in word, in, in, in even just sitting in his presence, whatever it may look like. But we just set a t- aside a time in our day, in our week, in our month, in our year, where we say, I'm just going to sit and I'm going to worship him. I'm going to acknowledge God for who he is. I'm not going to try and fit God into my schedule, but I'm going to rearrange my schedule and prioritise God in that so that I have a relationship with him that matters. So that God isn't in the dribs and drabs, he's in the forefront. He's around everything, he's in everything. When I'm working, I'm talking to him. When I'm with friends, there's, he's in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I'm praying for my friends. I'm, I, I, you know, as I'm walking or exercising, I'm talking to God. As I'm, you know, I stop in my day to say, God, what do you think of that? Why? Because I worship him, he's most important. We've been conditioned to think that we can do this on our own. That if we have a noble cause, that'll be enough. But really, Jesus is the only cause, the only answer. And he's the one of the, worship is a pillar we need to establish. We need to establish. Sacrifice is an essential part of worship, and that is why Paul says to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is your true and proper worship. He ties sacrifice and worship together because he understands that the demands of life will try and draw us away, and we have to be willing to sacrifice. We, there's no way around it. You know, end of last year, I was sitting with one of the guys I mentor, and we're talking about his devotional life. And he's, you know, he's doing okay. But I said to him, I said, listen, this isn't always just going to come easy. At some point, you're going to have to learn. This is going to be a sacrifice. It's going gonna, it's gonna to cost you. It's going to hurt a little bit maybe to have this relationship with God because you're going to not be able to do things that you might want to do sometimes because God takes priority and preference and precedence in my life. And so we had the conversation around having to, having to uh, uh, sacrifice things to spend time with God. Because it's all well and good to fit God into our world, but when is it that we fit into God's world? Because that's what we need to look at. Being willing to give up something to worship first. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It's what it means to be an apprentice of Jesus. It's what it means to be a disciple. The disciples, John was on the side of the shore and his friends went out. Jesus got on the boat. It was uh, Matthew. Was it Matthew? No, Peter. Peter, I think it was. One of the guys. I'm trying to remember which disciple it was. Anyway, Jesus gets on the boat. They put out a little bit. He starts teaching, right? trying to remember that I can't remember that for some reason I'm having a brain blockage but anyway it's all right I will just keep going and uh anyway they they put out and then and and then Jesus teaches and he goes now put out in the deep water right so they went out in the deep water and they caught a catch 
that was so big, was so massive, that they needed another boat to come out and both boats were nearly sinking by the time they got it in. And, 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 and they get out of the boat and this amazing miracles happen financially for them. They've got, some, some scholars say that it was like a year's worth of fish, like wages for them. And so here's this year's worth of wages sitting in the nets on the side of the shore. And Jesus says, come follow me and you'll be fishers of men. They don't even address that. They don't even go, but Lord, what about the income? What about the blessing you just gave me? They go, let's follow him. There was no promise of financial security. There was no promise of success. There was no promise they'd even amount to anything. But they were willing to sacrifice to follow Jesus. They were willing to let go of something that was tangible. It would have brought security in their, their world. But they let it go. And they followed him instead. Why? Because he was the priority in their world. They had a moment where they go, there's something about this guy. I'm going to follow him. And it's going to cost me. And it cost me a lot. And that was just a financial deal. That was their business. That was just one thing that they left behind. I wonder what else they walked away from to follow Jesus. Credibility. Respect. Being honoured in their society, maybe. Who knows? But they so willingly left it behind because they knew in their heart that somehow this was the right thing to do for their world. And now the music team come. So we're going to land right there. So I believe sometimes the, the reason why we struggle so much in our devotional life is this very issue, a willingness to sacrifice. It's inconvenient. It off, it, more often than not, never comes convenience. There's no convenience in it. And this is why we end up having to make it a rhythm in our world. We're going to talk about that in a few weeks, but building and establishing rhythms of devotion, rhythms of connection, times of worship, moments of prayer. It takes sacrifice to start it, but once you get it going, it brings a great reward. You start to grow as a Christian. You start to, your, the formation of your soul starts to grow. You start hearing God's voice more regularly. He starts speaking to you more. You sense Him more in the Scriptures. When you come into a worship environment, like with music, you, you start to feel His presence more because you're making a sacrifice to come and be in that space. That's what coming to church is. It's a sacrifice. Why? Because there's many other things you could do at 3.30 in the afternoon on a Sunday. 
There are many other things you could be preparing. But you make a decision to come. God sees that decision. He sees that. He sees that decision when you get up in the morning, you open your Bible and you're finding it hard to hear his voice. But he sees that commitment. He sees that, 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 that sacrifice. When you choose not to go to that party as a young person because, because you know what's going to happen there and you go, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to stay home instead. He sees the sacrifice. When you choose not to, you know, do something that everybody else is doing because, well, it looks good, it looks fun, but, but God is saying, don't do it. And so you make a decision to follow Him. God sees the sacrifices. He sees them. And He loves you for it. He loves that you would be sacrificial on His behalf that you would value time with him so much more than anything else. So we're in a season then of checking our foundations. We need to ask ourselves the right questions to look at the foundations of our Christian faith. Do they need repair? Maybe for some of us, they need to be dug up and dug a little deeper so we hit some firm rock underneath and start building again because we feel like we're kind of leaning a little bit or we're cracking on the inside under the pressure. We have a great opportunity at the beginning of this year, 2023, to set the foundation right, to set ourselves up with God for a great year. This could be the best year of your life. be the best year of your life. <laughs> Someone got engaged recently. <laughs> the man's away, but the lady's here. Congratulations. Come on, let's just close our eyes. We're just going to take a moment now. Before we head back, we're going to go back into a worship song in a minute, but I just want us to close our eyes and look away to God. Make a sacrifice right now. Whatever's trying to distract your mind, put it aside. All right, make this a decision right now in this place, in this moment, to choose. God, I choose you. I know there are many things I could be worrying about. There are many things that are trying to get my attention right now, even in this room. Unless it's a little baby, I would say don't neglect the child. But, but, uh, but for everyone else, take a deep breath. Let it out. Settle your soul. Lord, we just take a moment in this time, this space, to acknowledge you. We worship you, Lord. You're worthy of our worship. You're everything. Thank you for everything you've given us. Thank you for all that you've done in our world. 
if you were never to do another thing, Lord, I'd still worship you because you're worthy. You're worthy. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information about C3 New Hope and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au.